Welcome back to the XX Mormon podcast, brothers and sisters. Today, we are delighted to, of course, have presiding on the stand Bishop Jensen, our illustrious bishop, who uh, who is the almighty father of this ward. And of course, we are joined by a fantastic guest that we have been excited to have on the show for some time now. We are joined by the husband of the wife of or the husband of the sister of the wife of the brother of Jared, uh, who is Judas. So Judas, welcome on to the podcast. I didn't know you wound up with Mary Magdalene, but uh, that's pretty exciting. Welcome. Oh, thank you. Yeah, the the few things, if people only knew, right? But here we are. Yeah, so. <laughs> that was the true betrayal uh, that Judas made to Jesus was he wound up with Mary Magdalene. Um, yeah, fan- fantastic. Welcome. Welcome on to the show. Thank you. No, thanks for having me. Um, it, and, it's uh, been it's been fun. It's been just interesting, you know, as I've been hearing some of the previous episodes and uh, other individuals that are in the family that have been on. So uh, yeah, we got we got some worms to open up whenever y'all would like. So yeah, I'm excited for it. Before we go on, though, I just I had an epiphany this week about the name the brother of Jared, and uh, I realized that. It's probably because Joseph forgot, like in the writing, he probably forgot that is what his name was and how to spell it and stuff. And so he was just like, um, the brother of Jared. And <laughs> right. yeah, I never realized that. Poor that, scribe, Mohana like and Moriankomer, they're like, what the hell? Right. So then they're like, let's just put down the brother. <laughs> and move right, on. right. Because <laughs> Joseph probably forgot how to spell it. So he gave up so much for that internal consistency. Um, we found his way out of it though. So good for him. Um, okay. Yeah. So tell us, well, I guess Bishop should say hi. You haven't said anything yet, Bishop. Well, you know, I, that's okay. I feel like I've said enough over 80 some odd episodes. I try not to inflate this podcast with too much hot air. Um, but any welcome, welcome Judas to the XX Mormon podcast. Why don't you just tell us your earliest memory in the church? When did a bishop first try to touch you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we're just going to jump right that, there. Huh? That, that, that could be like really traumatizing. T.W. getting into the real goods here. Yeah, Trigger warning. Diving, diving straight I'm in. You know, it's, it's all right. It's funny you bring that up. No, I... I I was one who who made it through unscathed as far as, uh, you know, clergy doing that. But I actually happened to be one of those kids that used to get sat on the bishop or a a counselor's lap due to my misbehavior during uh, primary and such. So I guess that was like a thing. We can go back to like, yeah, yeah, it was a thing. You know, I I guess I was a little, little hard to control. Like when you were 13. Did it get a little weird when you were 13? Yeah, yeah, just a little bit, you know, like when you actually had to, you know, like ask and then, you know, climb up on the lap, that was a little different, you know, but when they could just pick you up and sit you there, it's, it's a little bit, you know, so <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're talking, I don't know what, what were we like, sunbeam age, you know, something like that. Right, so, right. Oh, okay. Um, but, but yeah, <laughs> um, nah, man, I mean, how far do you go back or whatever? But, and then a lot of that too, was just due to, uh, to be real, like we would change the words of the hymns or the songs, um, you know, just to be funny. And then you yeah. get called out up front and they're like, okay, what was that you were singing? And we would just sing what we made up, man. And it was just funny just to see, uh, how these kind sisters didn't know what to do. So 
uh, sure enough, somebody would show up from the bishopric, and that was my my buddy for the rest of the day. So, <laughs> so you were like a bad kid, like, or like, were you? Okay, I want to make like a distinction here. Yeah. Were you bad? Like, were were you misbehaving at at church? But then, like a good, like a good kid. Otherwise, like, and was it like misbehaving by like church standards? As in, you didn't feel like going to like primary and stuff, or what was the what was the level of misbehavior? No, no, honestly, yeah. I, I mean, it really. I, I don't. I wouldn't. I guess categorize myself as just a you know bad kid. But um, it was interesting um, with maybe their version of like the controlling factor. Like, if you're stuck sitting in an hour on these hard seats that nobody likes, mm-hmm. and especially like you're hungry or whatever's going on is fast Sunday, which side note, I always had this one teacher. He, he, he wore a Tabasco sauce tie and he would always mm-hmm. eat. He would like sneak like candy and stuff. And like mm-hmm. us as kids, we'd like side eye him and he'd slide us like a Snickers or something and tell us to be quiet, you know? Yeah. So like really? I had kind of like that kind of, you know, it's like, Hey, we're all here. We're doing what we're quote supposed to do, but out of like boredom or just to get a rise, I guess, then, you know, do things. It's like, Oh, that got me a reaction. Um, I think mm-hmm. more than anything, um, I'm a middle child of, of four. So in some sense, right, like you realize kind of like where you fit. And uh, if you want to be seen, you got to be a squeakier wheel than the other ones. So mm-hmm. I think that's kind of where, where some of that happened. And then just innate like joy and just enjoying life and whatever, right? And like being a kid, but then you got you to gotta be put in your place, I guess. So, you know, that's, that's kind of just what it means to be an LDS boy. So I yeah. think that was kind of a lot of it. Was there, okay. Cause you grew up in Idaho, right? Uh, I grew up uh, largely outside of Colorado, um, but oh, I did spend okay. some time in, um, in Idaho. I went to BYU, Idaho for five years um, yeah. with a mission break in between. I also um, spent a little bit of time in Alaska uh, so we moved around a little bit, but the majority of my my youth was was Colorado, was uh, Colorado, Denver. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because because you come from like Pioneer Stock. Is it Pioneer Stock or were, was your family like really on, converts? On my, like on my where does your family side, go back? Yeah. No, my mother's side. A lot of their their heritage is is, is English, um, and they did have some who did the traditional crossing of the plains. Um, oh, okay. my, my father's side, uh, they're Swiss and they also immigrated, um, to my knowledge that they, they weren't having to do the whole handcart thing, but they did actually get over and settle, um, Eastern Idaho, like the Coltman area, Yukon, um, hmm. you know, outside of Rexburg and Idaho falls and that. So, um, great grandfather was the first one to my knowledge on my father's side who joined the church. And then on my mother's side, it sounds like it might be a second great. So. We've got a few oh, wow. generations of uh, of this being our our way of business, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. Was that was that something that was talked about as a kid growing up as like something important to your family? Is being like, you know, the whole family is Mormon. This is what we do. This is how important it is to, you know, maintain that legacy or whatever. Oh, absolutely. I think a lot of it really, it wasn't just that it was important as a legacy. It was more as the appearance. It's like, this is who we are. Like, that's the identity, right? Like you have a last name uh, that Mm -hmm. you represent, and then you also represent this church. So, you know, like, it's not only you're a part of the family, but this is the way that we behave. This is the way you do or what you don't do. 
um, even if it wasn't always overtly said, it was definitely insinuated. <laughs> this is right what you do here. And, uh, you know, um, kind of learning what your supposed duties are, right? Even not having a priesthood above your head at 12, but, you know, you're expected to act a certain way as a soon-to-be priesthood holder. All that fun mm-hmm. stuff. So, Did you find, mm-hmm. like, my mom goes back through pioneer ancestry on my mom's side. And so, like... Mm-hmm. They had, my mom had like the rules on top of the rules. So kind of like, like my life was a true Scotsman fallacy, right? It was like, well, those so-and-so is like jumping on their trampoline on Sunday. Why can't we? Ah, only true Mormons don't jump on the trampoline on Sunday, right? Hmm. Like, did you have... I can uh, hear my the da- Scottish in you. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but my, like on my dad's side... They were converts, so it was kind of like, oh, is that a rule? We didn't realize. But on my mom's side, it wasn't just that like we followed all the rules, but there were the rules on top of the rules to distinguish the true Mormons from the the pseudo Jack Mormons sitting in the pews on Sunday, the Sunday Mormons. Did you was that kind of a thing on your side? Oh yeah. No, I mean and I think sometimes they would say it like almost like that sense of pride, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh well, mm-hmm. you know what? This is this is what we do. Um yeah. And other times too, when you might ask a question and, and is it like with everything, they don't really have answers or it's just, you know, it's kind of like the Catholic answer. <laughs> it's just, it's always been that way. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but it's like mm-hmm. one of those things where it's like, well, I mean, to be honest, like what benefit does a kid have staying strapped in their, you know, white shirt and tie the entire mm-hmm. day. Right. Yeah. Um, it limited your behavior. You weren't, you know, now you're not going outside because, you know, heaven forbid you, you soil that shirt or, you know, rip your pants or something. Right. So like, in a sense, I felt like it was just a, another way to kind of keep you in line, you know, um, mm. uh, similarly to with, uh, like fasting, like I, I just remember, I mean, like kids, man, and I, you know, and I have four children of my own and mm. like, uh, they go through all different eating stages and whatever, but like just being like a 24 hour period is a long time for mm-hmm. a kid that's used to grazing and things like that. So mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, sometimes it was almost used against you. Like, what are you doing asking, right? Like mm-hmm. every hunger right. pain is supposed to be a reminder of what you're praying for, mm-hmm. you know? Right. And when you feel hungry, dig deeper, look to God, right? That's how, that's how you're going to earn that blessing where, <laughs> you know, and it's just like, so, so from that perspective, it's like, you didn't have the room for complaining and, and, you know, I mean, obviously if you did, you just, you, you got a consequence. So mm-hmm. that's kind of, yeah, that's super intense. So like, cause so with fasting that you brought up, when I was a kid, um, we were expected like before 12 that we would at least fast one meal, right? Just skip breakfast, we'll go to church and then you can have lunch, right? And then, and sometimes like if we were like, well, I want breakfast, the parents were like, okay, then you have to skip lunch, whatever, right? It was like a negotiation for what level of fasting you did. And we never did the, like the 24 hour fast. I remember, um, we would always, we would, we would always like watch like a movie Saturday night and like eat popcorn and stuff. And then, uh, and then Sunday would come and we'd skip breakfast and lunch typically, especially once the kids were like 12. And then after that, um, and then we would have like an early dinner, like always on Sunday. So really we just like 
didn't eat from, you know, going to bed Saturday night to like 3 p.m. on Sunday, like not even kind of sort of 24 hours. There right. was a period where my parents got pretty serious about it and actually started like doing the 24 hour thing. Um, mostly just my stepdad, my mom never really did that, but, um, it wasn't, it wasn't like a super strict thing. Was it, was it like a big deal in your house? Was that like, all right, we had dinner, no food till, you know, tomorrow at dinner. Oh yeah. No, I mean, well, and I, and as I've gotten older and kind of examined it differently and knowing that like, at least, I mean, both my parents came from households where there's just seriously unhealthy relationships with food. And like mm. on my dad's side, especially like my maternal or my paternal grandmother um, battled with anorexia and other things and, really? you know, had some anxiety issues, especially after losing a, a child and just had some hard things happen. And I think it was kind of like her way of almost taking control of what she could in her mm-hmm. life. Um, but definitely imposing that on her own children. And then as grandchildren came, right, even though you know that they were loosing the reins because it's like, hey, grandmas and grandpas always kind of give a little more. But I mean, it was, you know, and then on the my mom's side as well, with my mother having her own issues with it, too. Like, I felt like fasting was almost like a pleasant time for some people in my family. Because it's like, cool, now I have a reason that nobody's eating and there's no food out. Um you know, and they could argue differently. But as far as like, just convenience, like you said, like that earlier meal, that's such a thing for us too. like, and it's an annoyance, (laughs) because it plays into non fast days, like Thanksgiving, uh, like, we're gonna have Thanksgiving at like three in the afternoon, right? And you're like, Mm -hmm. cool. So what do you do for the rest of the day? Oh, we already ate. And there's people commenting about how full they are. Right. And like, yeah, it's just one of those deals where I guess, uh, so like, as kids, like, going back to your point, when it was like, we've started the fast, we collectively, dad said the prayer, whatever it was, we're starting now. Like, I remember feeling almost like guilt levels of like, when I was thirsty, like brushing my teeth and drinking water. Cause I'm like, oh shit, I broke my fast. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and so why, you know, and I wouldn't go step in that kitchen and whatever. And then it was like kind of torturous if they're cooking like a roast in the morning. Cause you just, your house smells great. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, is this, is one of those vibes that that i i'm sure they would all argue well yeah we never forced you right like Mm -hmm. you know because collectively Mm -hmm. they're not like how dare you when we hit the hand out of your your food out of your hand but at the same time if you're the one who wasn't um fasting then you know it became a bit problematic and i saw that with my mother in particular from her health issues because she had a time Mm -hmm. where she couldn't skip meals she had to take some medications and things and you got to eat or like the migraines that would come with it but there was still like almost like a stigma in essence, because it's almost like I could see between my parents. It's like, oh, well, now one partner's not fully supporting the other because one's like, we're fasting. And the mm-hmm. other one's like, well, I got to eat or I got a headache, you know? Mm-hmm. So, right. Yeah, definitely mixed messaging. So, yeah. Yeah. And, it, and I mean, as a kid, you're like, you don't have to be forced uh, physically to do something for it to be like, compulsory right like it's 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 like well my dad said i can't eat so i get like i guess i can't eat right he's not going to smack the food out of your hand but like you're a 13 year old kid like you don't know that right like it's like he said i can't eat so i'm like i guess i can't right 
Well, and, uh, and yeah. not not to dive too deep in it, but I mean, we had a lot of, you know, for a time, some physical consequences and, and definitely verbal consequences for misbehaviors and, and food right. could be withheld, you know, at times for other things too. So, you know, I guess what I'm saying is just this, uh, the whole idea around the supposed blessings and fasting and stuff, like even on my mission, like I never taught that. Because right. I never had a testimony of it. What I had a testimony of is just, it sucks. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, if you want to give money to go give somebody some food, like, I'm all about that. Be generous. But um, it was it was one of those, I guess we could say, if we're talking early areas of, like, something's wrong here, was kind of that. Mm-hmm. So. so, was there a period for you as a kid where things started to kind of, like fall apart a little bit for you with the church? Like as a kid, was it always just true or did some things kind of sometimes uh, pique your interest as maybe not being what it seems? Yeah. I mean, what I felt like I had, I had a solid period of my life, at least through 16, I would say where I, I believed just about every bit of garbage that got said to me you know like this Mm -hmm. is how it is this is true i mean even down to when i was thinking earlier like you know when we would go in in primary or or they have you go up and you bear your testimony at the pulpit and it's that recycled phrase you know i know this church is true Mm -hmm. i remember even thinking like i'd see a kid get up there and he'd say something different and feeling like oh no like they're going to be in trouble Mm because like isn't that what you're supposed to say isn't that how you open it up and even mm-hmm. just the idea of like, what does it mean to be true? You know, like, is it that it's truth is here or that this is the only thing in all the churches? Like never that deep, but just, I guess what I mean is like, I didn't really stand a whole hundred percent on my own. Right. Like I had what mm-hmm. I was told to say. And then if you had any questions, it was kind of like, well, just do it. Or, you know, eventually that'll come or, you know, just keep praying, just, just keep digging in, you know, somewhere magically in that same set of scriptures you've read five times this time, the answer's there, you know, like, yeah, it was kind of a lot of that, I guess, but I don't have like a single point in time, especially as a child where I was like, no, this isn't real, but there was always like a looming, like something's, something's off. And I think what a lot of it happened to be was like the, the few times I would question or something would happen in Sunday school where I was just like, that doesn't really make sense. And I think it wasn't so much the, what they taught. It was how they treated people um, mm-hmm. mainly because uh, I, I <laughs> go into my Sunday school classes. I was surrounded by girls just by my age limit. So I rarely saw other boys unless, you know, I actually aged out and got into like the ironic priesthood and so on. So prior to that, like I'd be in a classroom with like six girls and myself and nothing against that. I mean, I'm a, I'm a girl dad. So maybe it was setting me up for that, you know, um, in life. But it was one of those things where I could just see how the the male teacher treated me and how he treated the other girls. Or I, I could see how certain people would ask questions and the praise that would go across or not. Um, you know, oh, you don't know what you're talking about or just simply just ignoring them if they asked a question. Right. So the um, way you're talking about the way the girls were treated by the male teacher was different yeah, from like, and they were treated it was. worse than how you were. Yeah. Treated. And, and, and so I think I felt like, like if I was acting out, for instance, right, we go back to some of those earlier memories mm-hmm. as a young man, it was okay to be harsh with me because that's just right. what you do. Right. Yep. Um, 
the the young girls who were maybe misbehaving all it took was just a stern look or oh we're gonna go get your parents or let them handle it right Mm -hmm. but i remember like i don't know why this is coming to my head but why not let's just do it so um we were youth and a and a sister or a girl that was in our class um we were talking about the law of chastity and you know how fun that is, you know, learning about mm-hmm. sex at church, right? Because, you know, your parents aren't going <laughs> to teach you anything. Um, and then also go to school. Oh, but, you know, they can't. Don't listen there 100% because you don't want to learn certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. uh, I don't remember what got us to this point. But at, at some point, I think what they were talking about is like basically who's guilty, um, depending on, you know, uh, if it's a mutual interaction amongst teens, who's got to repent, <laughs> basically? Yeah, right. And uh, and the the girl was just like, she's like, well, I don't really understand why it's so bad because in essence, she used her hand to help her boyfriend out. And she's like, I'm not doing anything different than he does for himself. And mm. of course, the teacher's like, what do we do here, right? And I'm not saying I've ever been in that position as a Sunday school teacher, but you know, why are we yeah. talking about this? But yeah. what I remember is, is like the almost like the immediate like shame that came back. Mm-hmm. It was like, I don't know what you're doing asking questions like that here. It sounds like you have something you need to deal with with the bishop. How about you get your things and go down and meet with the bishop? Mm-hmm. Right. And it's one of those things where you're like, what, what's wrong with the curiosity or just the idea, right? Like she's seeing it as you're, you're basically so harsh and so you wanting to punish in that sense, you know, or in the sense, it's the girl's fault, right? Because it always is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, rather than provide an answer, even if it was just like a, I don't know, a scientific answer, um, it was like, right. yeah, go meet with the bishop, go down the hall, mm-hmm. right? And then, like, stop the lesson, made her gather her things. Wow. No really? one said a word. It was yeah. just the quiet shame. I'm sure she felt everyone's eyes on her. And, just you know what I mean like but that's the norm it's like oh did you go against the grain cool we're gonna make you feel terrible and see if you're still strong enough to still fight back well uh, right like it's just like this person that I don't know just based on the Mm -hmm. story that you're telling it's kind of like can't you read the room like where have you been for the first 15 years of your life well like what makes you think that saying and expressing that freely is going to have good consequences. Like, I, I, do you know, do you know what I mean? Like, how are you not expecting to get blamed and shamed based on what everybody else is doing and has been doing? Like, I never went out with a Mormon girl. And the reason why I never went out with a Mormon girl was like, I had friends who went out with Mormon girls and they get into some trouble and the girl would blow the whistle. And I'm yep. like, I'm not getting into that situation where, like you just don't shit where you eat. Like exactly. Like yeah, read, yeah. read the situation yeah. here. Yes, if you right. confess to rubbing one out for your boyfriend, like you will be publicly shamed. And so, uh, absolutely. But, <laughs> yeah. Like and I don't know why like, she do I, that. <laughs> like, well, and maybe she hadn't had that. Maybe she has healthier parents, right? Like who, yeah. who, yeah. who taught her? Like, hey, you know, you know, like fine you know right like and and so i think people get differing levels of shame and eventually at some point somebody's going to experience Mm -hmm. that that shame and and until until they do they're gonna think like yeah the church is fucking great like i really Mm -hmm. like i really like it and uh and then you're gonna end up at some point 
not getting to take the sacrament and the whole family is going to look down the aisle at you mm-hmm. and be like, Hey, what's, what's going on with elder Jackson? Like why, well, why didn't he take the sacrament? You know? Well, and it was such a, such a thing as I'm sure you guys know, like, so in this instance, um, we, you know, find out, right. Yeah. Of course she and her boyfriend had messed around a little or whatever. Well, the boyfriend mm-hmm. is up there blessing the sacrament. <laughs> She's not yeah. able to take it. Right. And then right. he goes on, he goes up and gives his bears his testimony about how he's laying on the ground and looking at the stars and having a spiritual experience. And we all know what that experience was because, yeah. you know, that's why she's not <laughs> taking the sacrament. Right. So, but you know, let's all feel the spirit and feel good for him and, and bad for her. Like it just, right. it, it was just so twisted. Yeah. And yeah. And honestly, I'm a little bit surprised that the Bishop didn't confront him because like about that and like like get yeah. him in any like and like nothing nothing at all um i'm i'm surprised by that but i guess not too surprised since he's the guy and obviously it's the woman's fault obviously that's just how it is like i've seen they, yeah i've seen two sides of the misogynistic coin in bishops like one side mm-hmm. is the boys can do nothing wrong. All women are evil temptresses. And then the other side of it is, is like all women and girls need to be protected by me. And all men are, are evil perverts. So it sounds like right. your Bishop was on the, on the all women are evil kind of side of the spectrum. A couple of them were. Yeah. yeah. And then I got to experience some of the opposite coin, like you had mentioned too. Um, like all women yeah. need to be protected by me. I'm the, have you guys seen a knight's tale when he's like the protector of Italian virginity? Yes. <laughs> right. That's like some bishops. Are, yeah. That's some bishops, yeah. right? hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Yes. What else is their role? You know, like yeah. you said, step yeah. in and, and not even, not even evaluate the whole situation. Let's just mm-hmm. make it, let's just jump the gun and make a decision. And, mm-hmm. and then also too, I guess since we're still going on the route, I like what caused some doubts, like just the ability to go, all right, so how does this person, what is this whole process of supposedly using a priesthood holder to help get forgiveness mm-hmm. if the atonement is meant to cover every sin anyway? Mm-hmm. And if God right. himself was the one who says, I'll forgive who I'll forgive. So then at this point, how does he know, right? Like why it, does it, is it any different than any other church to my knowledge to be like, well, if you sit out three Sundays, then now magically you're okay. Like, you know, like, <laughs> That's ca- or, you know, yeah. how many, how many rosaries do you got to say? Right. Like it just, I didn't see the difference in making those comparisons again. You know, they're like, well, we're nothing like the great whore of mammon. Right. It's like, well, right. Are. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, um, well, God's lot, like the, the, oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. It's just God's like the the homeowners association manager, right? Or the strata manager. He just has like dumb rules. He's like, yeah, sit out three Sundays, you're all good. It's like, why? It's because that's what we wrote in the bylaws. Yeah. Like, but (laughs) yeah. He's like, you need to get your gutters changed. You know, you're kind of you're you're devaluating the neighborhood property value. You're like, what the fuck? Anyway, that's Seriously. Yeah. 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 And let's make sure that there's like a public thing, like put the sign out there. So when people drive by your house, they know like you fucked up and then, you know, right. then, you know, oh, we don't want to do that. Yeah. Shame. Right? Shame. Shame. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Game yeah. of Thrones, man. Let's Game go down the, the street. Yeah. <laughs> Ring the bell. Strip oh, down. You're funny, man, with that phrase. That episode of, uh, of Cersei's Revenge, right? Like when yeah. she blows up the... <laughs> 
the, right? the, the red keep or whatever. And she locks yeah. up the nun and says shame with a smile on her face. It was just like, yeah, this satisfies me on an ex Mormon level. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Absolutely. Like, Cersei's revenge I think most is my of us are denied. Right, right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but so yeah. I guess, you know, this, this obviously carried forward, you know, and it had a whole mm-hmm. bunch of issues throughout life. But um, going towards like the mission, right? Because we said like, this, this is an expectation. It wasn't a choice. The choice was go, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and that's pretty scary in the sense where it's like, you know, at this point, I'd never really left town other than like when we went on vacations, you know, like we, we drove up to Idaho. So, you know, saw family up there. We were from Colorado. So like, mm-hmm. but just the idea to be potentially like you could be put anywhere and, mm-hmm. you know, but they hype it all up and, you know, like you sing your songs and you wear your fake missionary badges and this is what you're going to be. And this is what you're going to go do. You're going to go bring this great news to everybody because they all have no idea. Right. And like you get to the point of when it's actually real and the rubber's hitting the road and you're putting in your application and stuff. And I mean, so I almost didn't go right. Which I'm sure a lot of people mm-hmm. kind of have that experience, but I ended up putting in my papers while I was attending at BYU, Idaho. And, um, I mean, to, to be real, I didn't even want to go to church school cause I mm-hmm. kind of had my, I guess, rebellious streak at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, my parents like give a church school a chance and, you know, what were my options? It was Provo or Idaho. And I had some cousins that lived in Utah and I had cousins live in Idaho mm-hmm. and the less weird ones live in Idaho. So it's kind of like, you know, <laughs> what am I going to pick? And what's my potential? Like, and I know obviously it's more in depth than that, but like, I was like, I had good relationships with the ones that I knew up there and I figured, all right, well, whatever, you know, cause initially too, um, my parents also made it very clear that like college and stuff, you know, it's on us. Like we got to be able to, mm. to go and work and be self-sufficient. Right. You know, that yeah. whole right. jazz, especially as men. Cause you know, how am I going to raise a family in the future yeah. if I can't, you know, cover my own, but yeah. they offered to cover the first year. Right. So I was mm-hmm. like, okay, okay. Well, then I'll go, you know, and I did the dorm experience and I, I mean, BYU, I admit, I, I would love to talk another time because there's, mm-hmm. there's such a, so, so much fun, I guess we could say up there. Um, but <laughs> as far as like the mission paper experience goes, there's two things I guess I wanted to highlight. One was, so I put in my papers and then you submit it. And then of course, you know, they have to check in with stake people and all that. And this man that I, I didn't know for anything, I mean, he wasn't even a professor of mine, but he's my bishop, you know, starts to kind of make his own version of like what he thinks about like my ability to go and if i'm really meeting that whole ecclesiastical standard and you know those things where i'm like i'm like internally like you don't know me and i don't know you nor do i care to know you you Mm -hmm. know so like i'd be like i'd rather have i guess the one from back home who knew me better um Mm -hmm. be able to submit some of this stuff and um while i was there uh waiting for some stake person to meet with me i guess um this door was ajar and there was a, a sister in there meeting with somebody else and she came out, you know, seemingly upset. And I figured, okay, who knows what's going on in there? But obviously I thought it was my turn mm-hmm. and I see the guy come out and he goes and he's like, no, wait, sister, we're not done. And then he has her go back in and shuts the door. I thought this is kind of odd. I've never been in this position before. Mm-hmm. Whatever, you know, I'm just sitting there. Um, well, she she opened the door again, and she actually approached me, and I don't know her, and she just said, "Is there any way you could come in here with me?" And I'm like, 
I guess, right? But like internally, like that's mm-hmm. still against the rules, right? Like yeah. why am mm-hmm. I, I'm not overstepping. This other person's asking me to come in, whatever you want. Um, but basically the state president is or whoever, I think it was his counselor was like, what are you doing in here? And I'm like, well, I don't know. She asked me to come in. So I guess I'm here. And then, you know, he still wanted to basically hash out whatever her supposed issues were. And, you know, as everybody seemingly does, they want all the details, you know, because they have to decide how many Hail Marys before you can be forgiven. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting here just like this person feels uncomfortable. Like there's something wrong about Mm -hmm. this. Um, And I'm not some hero. I didn't do anything special other than I guess someone asked me to come in and I did that. But she left and I think I was, you know, already on this kind of weird feeling now because it's like now I'm privy to somebody else's business. Mm -hmm. Um, This person obviously made someone else feel uncomfortable. And then now I'm supposed to be talking to them about my mission, (laughs) I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, So nothing, I guess, seemed really to feel great about it. It was just like, all right, you know, all the hype, all this excitement, supposedly now it's almost time to go. And even on my interviews, it just seemed like these weird little blips of like something isn't right or these people aren't handling it in the way that I think they should. Mm -hmm. Um, I returned back to, you know, home over the holidays. And I remember uh, having my mom approach me in the kitchen and she's just like, so so you have a testimony, right? And my honest answer coming back, it was like, no, I don't know. And then she's like, well, what do you mean you don't know? And then, of course, it's like, well, I don't know. A testimony about what, right? So we tried to break it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. But realizing that my honest answer to her was like, I didn't in some things. And the mm-hmm. response back wasn't, well, that's okay, son. Don't worry about it. It's like, well, maybe you'll get that when you go. You know, just go out there. Give it a try. Give it that effort. And I guess I initially mentally was kind of like, okay, I think I can do that. I think I can, I can give this an opportunity. I can, you know, whatever. And it's an expectation. Mm-hmm. Well, um, a few weeks later, and of course there's a lot of their family drama and stuff that I don't need to bring up, but my dad and I, we were talking about it again. And, you know, he was talking about more like, you know, one of those rare times I remember in a podcast, I think you had mentioned Bishop, the rarity that we hear that somebody's actually proud of us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, must be a church thing, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Cause you know, how dare you use the word pride, right? You Mm -hmm. know, you need to shun that. But, um, it was like, you know, I'm proud of you. Got this things going for you. We're we're excited, but make sure that you come home with honor. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, okay, I didn't even know what that means necessarily other than just, you know, that you get your gold star because you did a good job. Um, but he's like, you either come home with honor or you come home in a box mm-hmm. and walked out. So what option do you have? Right. In this sense, it wasn't, mm-hmm. uh, I, I hope you're making the choice to go as they like to talk about it. Like how great it is. Even like baptism, like look at this soul who's so brave and they chose to do this. I think at some point, um, as much as the church says they value agency, they strip it from you in mm-hmm. a point. Because yeah. it's like, well, if you have a choice, of course you have a choice. But that choice means being ostracized. That choice means losing out on financial assistance. It means family relationships. Or you can just fall in line. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's at least what got me over the hump and got me out of the States. So, you know. Wow. Like, like that's insane. 
to be like, you better come home a successful missionary, you know, with a full testimony and everything, or like, just like die. But yeah. that's those like, were, that was my a, acceptable ways to come home. Mm -hmm. That was, yeah. uh, that was a general authority quote. Yeah, I found yeah. that out later. Like I'm Googling it now. <laughs> um, but it's, yeah. Um, and that became, so like there was God's army and then there was God's army two states of grace. But that quote basically formed the plot around the movie was um, this quote about coming home, return with honor or come home with a box. And then a missionary sleeps with a woman and attempts suicide uh, all because of that stupid quote that gets repeated. So I like I can identify with that because I know one thing that pushed me on a mission was this idea of coming home with honor and being honorable and honorably representing the family. As I think about it, this is kind of evidence of the cult nature of the church is that I had no desire to go on a mission. The majority of my friends uh, up until about grade 11 were not members of the church. My closest friends for a lot, lot of my life were not members of the church. Um, and then it was like grade 12, I just decided I wanted to be Mormon to live up to all these expectations. So the community that didn't really want to have anything to do with me, the church community where I didn't really have a lot of friends. Um, all of a sudden I decide I want to be a part of it. And I try and think about what it might've been like for my non-Mormon friends to have mm -hmm. a friend do a 180 like that. Like all of a sudden he's just hanging out with these church people he couldn't stand and trying to do super church things and doesn't want yeah. to hang out with us as much anymore. It's fucking weird, right? <laughs> that somebody yeah. could just change their life on a dime like that. Um, For sure. You know what I mean? Turn their back on a lot of things to try and gain support from a community that didn't really care about them. And I think I can relate to you in that and others as well in the sense that, yeah, I know I've told the story so far. It's like, obviously, these were my family expectations and this is what was supposed to you know, go on. Mm -hmm. But um, I also learned really well, too, about, you know, you got to live a, a bit of a double life if you want to be true to yourself. Mm -hmm. So um, mm -hmm. I had friends and acquaintances that weren't in the church. And it was kind of laughable because when they found out that, yeah, hey, hey, you got your mission because I went to, to Mexico. Um, they showed up at my house with uh, with tequila in the front door, you know, and they're like, hey, you know, one last round. And of course, that was fun to explain that away to my folks because now they're like, wait, you've been drinking and all this. Right? You know, it's one of those things where I'm just like, they need no different. And and to be honest, no, I actually hadn't drank before then. But, you know, it was one of those things, right? Because it's like, how much do you toe this line? And, you know, the guilt maybe sometimes going like, if you pray and you're not getting an answer, maybe it's you. Right. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's my thing. Mm -hmm. Maybe I didn't, I didn't read enough. Right. <laughs> you know, God knew my, my eye was open during that prayer. Uh, so like, it was one of those things. So at some point too, kind of towards my latter teens, I also had a, a moment where I was like, okay, I'm going to dive in. And that also made me separate a little bit from that friendship group. But like you said, man, I mean, they also kind of took that too. Cause you know, when we were together in those groups, it was definitely more, I had three of them that didn't even know I was LDS. So, right. um, but if I didn't have that as an opportunity, as a way to exist, um, I would have been even more sheltered. Mm -hmm. I would have had, uh, a lot more hit me in the face about reality of life. And, you know, and I don't, I don't, I don't regret any of those relationships. Um, 
if anything, if there's a regret, it's just how long it took to, to really wake up, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah. Um, but yeah, going on the mission, get there. And again, this could be a whole nother podcast on its own. Um, but, uh, at, toward the end of the mission, and like you said, returning with honor, what I learned is I learned that that means nothing. I learned mm-hmm. that returning with honor is the same as a four-year degree. You still have dumb ass people who get a four-year degree, mm-hmm. but they yeah. call it and they got their BA and they got their whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're somehow special. So being an RM to some girl who's been chased her whole life and living up to and, and seeing you as like this ideal man, like if the RM is all it was necessary, then that's, that's terrible because we had guys that went out on this mission who did really bad things and they went home with an RM title and we had others who were actually really upstanding guys who got caught being a little lazy and they got sent home. Yeah. You know, and some of that was to cover stake president's butts. Some of that was to cover the mission president who knew some of the kids that he sent to the same mission. So he can't look bad at home. Um, but when you got kids that are going to strip clubs and then they're not getting sent home, the whole dynamic of the mission changed, you know? So yeah. um, when we're talking about like, where did the, the, the shelf start to break or where did the ground start to crumble? I mean, it started earlier before then, but I think being in the mission field, and being in those instances and and realizing, I mean, realize I'm sorry, I'm, I know I'm glossing over so much right now, but it's like um, being in companionships where you literally hate each other and we walk on the opposite sides of the street <laughs> up until we get to the door. Yeah. And, you know, and you're he's calling you, you effing whatever in Spanish all the time. But then mm-hmm. we get there and we put on our face and we pray and we sing songs and we feel the love, right? And there's still people mm-hmm. that get baptized and there's still people that feel the spirit off of all this. That's a huge mind fuck too, because I'm like, okay, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. We're not a harmonious group. So I'm like, maybe the message is real because God still bring into this little family and look at their life change and look at these amazing things happen for them. Right. And then you're like, mm-hmm. I am truly just this instrument, this thing. And it's, maybe it's about me. Maybe it's about learning how to be a better person. And I go through those mental gymnastics. But then you go and you see people who just go and they skip out and they sleep around and they commit crimes and they do other things. And then they go and they get that little badge, the hug, and they go home and they don't tell anybody about it because they were an amazing missionary. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah, so <laughs> it's coming home from the mission, it helped and it hurt. That's mm-hmm. all, you know, like it helped some of the previous uh, brainwashing for sure. But then it also hurt to the effect where I'm just like, I didn't, I couldn't explain away some things, I guess. So I wasn't really sure right. what to do with that. But it's like, okay, well, now I'm back in the States. And I'm back to a church school because it was easier just to go back to where I was than to apply somewhere else. Um, and um I guess just continue forward, you know, uh, now I'm back. I've obviously had some worldly experience. Um, <laughs> and I chose to room. I had a younger brother who, who went to school up to BYU Idaho for a little bit and for good or bad being that middle kid, I didn't really lead a whole lot of things, but for some funny reason, um, I was the first out of us four to go to BYU Idaho and actually all four ended up going there. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> even my older brother came, at one point, and then I have my younger brother who I'm mentioning, and then I have a younger sister who eventually went there too. Um, but um, 
I bring it up because so with my younger brother, while we spoke on the mission, he would send me messages and we keep in contact. And this is back, you know, not that long ago, but it was still a time where you could only get on messenger once a week. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was during a one hour period where you were sending emails. So it was like, Oh, if they happen to be there, great. But like, Mm -hmm. otherwise, you know, we weren't like overtly reaching out to family. Um, I didn't have cell phones on my mission. We had little phone cards that you had to like prepay and stick into a pay phone. If you were going to do your once a year phone call home, Mm -hmm. excuse me, twice a year, because you had Mother's Day and Christmas, I guess. Um, So yeah, contact was kind of limited. But in the contact that I had with this sibling who was now approaching mission age, there was some questioning, him asking, how did you know, and so forth. Um, And I don't want to tell his whole story, because obviously that's his, but um, it came to a point where, I mean, I mean, this kid's smart as hell. Like he, he worked his way through BYU-Idaho in two and a half years. Um, and got the full degree. He actually ended up making money leaving school, which is a rarity because, you know, his degree is yeah. computer science. So you get the stipend. Um, All right. And uh, yeah, just powered through it, put his head down and 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 did it. Um, all the while, I mean, knowing internally that that this is wasn't it um, and going mm-hmm. through the motions like he needed to, I guess. Um, but he was the one who broke the mold for somebody leaving the church. Uh, by eventually telling, you know, our parents that, that the mission wasn't for him. And uh, I just got to see that fallout. And, yeah, you know, um, I don't envy him one bit. I mean, honestly, as far as a hero could be, I mean, I physically look up to this kid, but also internally I do because, you know, he really went against the green and he received all of the, the wrath, I should say of what it means to leave, uh, you know, two sided family for three generations deep. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. Based off of not believing in God or not thinking there is a God and also having some just intellectual reasoning as to why the church itself is, is pretty messed up. So, um, yeah. So I guess I bring that up because when we room together, like, I had already started, I think, my, my trek out in a slow, slow little trickle because um, we wouldn't go to church because <laughs> why, right? You're at a church school and uh, yeah. we would um, we would get notices, right? Because they keep track of your percentage of attendance if you sign into to priesthood. And we get these letters and we started almost like putting them up like as a bad <laughs> like bond, a trophy. you know? Yeah, yeah. it's like because we would just ward hop. We're like, all right, cool. So next semester, we're just going to go move, you know five apartments down and now we're in a new ward. Um, So you didn't have to deal with the same BS. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, yeah, just, just continue. And, you know, a lot of that came down to what was the point, right? It was the choice factor. Um, Wanting to have some ownership of what we were doing, I think. So Mm -hmm. I I, I probably won't speak too much more about him, but just in essence, it's just um, that that's where I felt like coming back now and trying to own like who I am and trying to, deal with what was Mexico, <laughs> what was this experience, um, including my ending interview, which uh, happened to be where this president was like, well, you know, I know we had our outs, but um, if you do me the favor of just, you know, kind of leaving, you know, like Vegas, you know, what happened here in Mexico stays in Mexico. Okay. Like, really? Yeah. Like if you want to go home, share the good stories, share the good things. Mm-hmm. And um, also remember that your next mission is to go out there and make children. So get on that elder, you know? Yeah. Real deep. You know, <laughs> it's it's like 
the whole like share the good stories thing, I hear a lot of my TBM friends um, when they talk about their missions, a lot of them uh, w- will say things like they'll they'll share a negative story and they'll be like i mean i i loved my mission like don't get me wrong i loved my mission uh I, it was fantastic like they're they're like constantly reassuring themselves that it wasn't an awful experience that it wasn't yeah. traumatizing and that they don't have any residual problems because of it like they're constantly reassuring themselves of that even though very obviously i was listening to uh, a mormon podcaster the other day and their their missions came up and they were talking they were talking about their missions and how they have nightmares about getting called to go back on their mission and to go back to their mission and stuff and, and how horrible it is. And then one of them says, yeah, I wonder what a psychologist would say about that. (laughs) Probably. We probably have like PTSD or something. (laughs) Isn't that funny? And it's like, are you like, are you listening to yourself? Like, this is like a common thing. Mormon missionaries get sent home with PTSD. Like yeah, they do. It's yeah. terrible. Like yeah. they're actual awful things for people. Um, right. Of course, some people ha- have great experiences, the, but just given like from what I've heard from people, yeah. every time I hear about it, I'm like, this sounds awful. That's part of the reason why I didn't go is because I started noticing the way people talked about their missions privately as I got older and uh, I was like, yeah, okay, I'm really starting to wind back on on this whole mission idea thing. The first story yeah. we had about a mission that I can remember in primary was uh, there was like a kid in our primary class. That I, I'm around five years old, but she had like a much older brother who had just come home from his mission. And he went to Hong Kong or something like that. But the th- stories they were telling about her brother were like, yeah. Missions can be really hard. You know, he had to shower with just like a cup, like basically in a bath. That was how he showered for two mm-hmm. years was pouring water over his head. And isn't that hard? And I was like, whatever mission is, count me out of it. I'm not doing that. Yeah. Um, you don't yeah. want to do the bucket. And then where you plug in this thing, that's literally just connecting wires and we're not electricians and it's just, <laughs> yeah, you drop something electric into water, which is yeah. like the number one rule you don't do unless you want to yeah. go out with a toaster. Right. And yeah. then that's what we did. That's how we had hot water sometimes. Yep. yep. Really? Like we had so. in the UK, we had these electric showers, like electric heaters for the shower. And, uh, one of them didn't work very well. But we don't know, like, this is one thing that the church isn't clear about is like, every apartment has wear and tear. And and the missionaries are like, all of them are from different economic circumstances. And and certain none, none of them are like, I can't cover the cost of a plumber, or an electrician, like, and, and there's no clear direction from the mission home on like, what to do when something, you know what I mean, because they're the ones dealing with the landlord and the property manager. Right. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the church just flat out owns a property that they're, you know, that missionaries are staying in, but you have no idea and you have no idea what to do. So you don't do anything. So we had this like electric shower and the front panel would pop off and you try and put it on and you'd accidentally shock yourself or it accidentally mm-hmm. go to like scalding hot water. And we just kind of like dealt with it. Like we just right. kind of like hoped we didn't die. 
Yeah, <laughs> or get. But if you did, pregnant. though, you know, you just go straight to heaven, and it was meant to be. That's true. It, exactly. It's true. Exactly. Well, like what even a blessing in that same apartment, there was one elder who came from like a kind of impoverished family, and he. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with like storm doors, but they've got them out here on the west coast as well as like in the UK. It just kind of you when you close the door first, you turn the handle up. And then you pull it, mm -hmm. pull it down, and that kind of locks it and seals it to keep water from coming in in, in severe rainstorms. Mm -hmm. So these, anyway, right. these doorknobs could be really, really finicky and annoying. And so we had one elder who, the elder before me, he jammed the back door, and so we would like have to take our garbage and recycling around to the very back of the apartment, um, mm -hmm. and we'd have to like walk down the block because it was all townhomes to get to the entrance to the alleyway. And he broke this doorknob, and he. Like nobody ever, he was like, I don't have the money. My parents don't have the money to cover like a replacement doorknob. I don't know what to do. So he never fixed it. And then me and my companion never fixed it because we're like, well, it's this guy's fault. And then it just, you know, continues on and on because these guys don't yeah. know what to do. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, <laughs> you missed out on some things, right? But like you said, you also maybe missed out on the potential trauma. So, cause mm -hmm. it's, a, yeah, it's a, yeah. When you're paying, you know, you find out that the missionaries before you didn't pay rent for four months, you know, and you roll in and you're like, well, they got the mission stipend. So it's kind of odd, right? Oh, you like, guys were supposed to pay rent out of your uh, monthly. Yeah. Yeah. They had us go and collect our, our monthly along with the rent. Mm -hmm. And then, you you know, wow. depending on your area, you had to go, you know, they had to trust you and who better to trust than a missionary. Um, right. You know, but then, you know, when you have other times, like I had a companion who was actually stealing cash from me and the way I found out, cause I kept going lower and lower. Um, I wrote down my serial numbers on the dollar bills in like part of my scriptures. Mm. And then, you know, I was like, Hey, hold up. I was like, I didn't know you had a 50 peso. Let's check it out. And then I matched the numbers and called him out on it. So, um, really? Know, yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, we had a, I mean, and again, right. Like you said, different economic status, but also just immaturities and, yeah, the the things kids. you had to learn, you know, <laughs> it's a bunch of kids, yeah. a bunch of kids doing what they're doing, and and uh, and the hope is that you'll grow up, right? Be the man and come home, and now you're ready. Now you're ready to govern a family. And mm -hmm. um, reality, I guess, is what I was saying. It's just like you know what I had pride in the RM title, I guess, because mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. But also speaking honestly, I'm like, I'm amongst thousands that aren't that hundred percenters, you know. I yeah, it was probably a 92 or whatever you want. Right. Um, yeah. And and um, so I guess going back to, you know, briefly to BYUI, got there, um, did my thing. Well, you know, how did Judas land Mary Magdalene? Well, um, <laughs> it happened to be my last semester and her first. Um, mm -hmm. And I decided that last semester because I wasn't having any real luck because as those who've attended BYUI, which is, I think you had, uh, yeah, correct. Yeah. Um, there's a unique dynamic where you, when you get there, if you're 18, you know, magically dating, uh, women just is kind of off the table because they're all looking for that RM for that special man. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, we were all high school peers, but now we're here and they're, um, they're ready, you know, cause they've been prepping their whole life. And uh, since you haven't served a mission, you know, kind of what's the point? So when I went on dates, I went on dates with like, you know, the older sisters. Oh, no, like 24, 25. Right. Uh, terrible. But they were really cool. And like we'd go out and we'd have fun. And the whole point of it was like it was just dating. 
but it never had led to anything, you know, prior to that. Um, so then in my return from the mission and kind of doing my thing, uh, I guess I had a, a talk with an older brother when I went home for Christmas. Um, and I was depressed uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, Idaho is depressing in the winter. Um, but, uh, you know, um, I, 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 again, I had struggled um, most of my life. And I think that's why I brought up the fasting thing and the food thing, because that's that's an issue, I guess, you know, for me. Yeah. Um, the physical um, thing like that in a family where you grow up, well, we never called you fat, but we called you fat. <laughs> right. right like, we never right. said the word, but it's like appearances are everything man so mm-hmm. you know hey yeah you're bigger than the other ones you want more food than the other ones what's the problem right so at some point coming back and you know i actually lost a lot of weight because good old montezuma's revenge and other fun things in mexico you know yeah. you, just, you lose it um and you walk everywhere uh so then i got to a point where i was working out probably more than i should I had multiple jobs, but I was starting to like who I was like physically. And then, you know, still wasn't putting off the confidence vibes. So I guess the long and short of this was in this discussion with a wise older brother, however you want it was, oh, well, you know, basically like you have to, you have to put out this because right now with the vibe you're putting out to women, is just basically like you're sad or you have a low self-esteem. And I'm like, I wonder why, right? You know, by all these mm-hmm. other reasons I just mentioned, but won't go into again. So at some point, basically, it's like you got to lie if that's not you, because you got to, hmm. you know, that's what they're looking for. They want somebody who's confident. They want somebody who's going to look out for them and all this. Right. And it was one of those things where it was like I had to kind of fake it till I made it. So um, I decided, all right, this next semester, which is my last, I'm going to just go real hard on everything. I hadn't done home teaching for like two years. So I was like, you know what? Fine, let's just do it because it was at minimum an excuse to go and meet girls and at maximum, maybe, I don't know, could lead to something. Um, but that's the reason why I ran into Mary Magdalene was because I decided, all right, oh, I got an assignment and I'm going to be home teaching over at these apartments. And my person that I was assigned happened to be one of her roommates. So I, I show up and this person of her roommate was a real loud Texas girl. Uh, just funny. Um because she stood out like a sore thumb, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. loud, loud laughter, the thing you're not supposed to do, um, even when she was <laughs> in the building, right? Uh, so yeah. like, but you know, good people, but basically in going and meeting um, her, I guess, her apartment, um, I, so I worked as a security guard for BYU-Idaho for, for almost two years, so I had access and keys to kind of everywhere. Um, I mm-hmm. also worked at Melaleuca, so I had that job going too. And then um, with schooling and everything else um i guess you know i was starting to feel better about myself i go over there and we have this get together um which is really i mean as you know it's the whole point is how do you get to know people and or who can we date because the point is it's byu i do like you gotta go mm-hmm. get married right make yeah, it happen yeah. um and if not in essence it's almost like an intrinsic failure because it's like oh now i graduated from byu idaho and i'm single Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, great. I get to go to some young single adult ward wherever the hell I'm at. And if you stick around in Rexburg, it's even worse because they're like, oh, well, you don't go here. Like, <laughs> you know, so yeah. I didn't want to be in that position. But, you know, it wasn't like, oh, I'm just going to take whatever I could get. I still had those vibes, too. You had standards, you know. Yeah, yeah. just just a little, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, I guess, man. The going through all of it, what it really came down to for myself, and again, this goes back to the whole mind thing, right? 
I made a commitment internally. Like I'm going to do all the check boxes now because I haven't been doing it for a while. So it was one of those things. Yeah. Where, like maybe I wasn't doing everything I was supposed to. So I, I showed up to every Sunday, even when I had to work security overnight, I was there in my uniform because whatever, right. You know, being that weird person in the meeting who wasn't dressed in a white shirt and a tie, but I was there. Um, mm-hmm. And I went and did the home teaching or whatever. And, you know, um, did a little get together event and I ended up cooking something, which everybody ended up buying something. And I got called out for it in front of this whole group. Right. And I'm like, oh, no, like it probably tastes terrible. Like what mm-hmm. happened? Right. Because there's this girl in the background who's just like, hey, hey, who cooked this? Who made this? Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like a crowd of like 20 people. And I'm like mm-hmm. wanting to mm-hmm. hide and like leave because I'm like, oh, shit, like it tastes terrible or it's burnt or there's something that it shouldn't be. Um, but she decided she's like, this is awesome. This is amazing. No, like, seriously, who made this? So I was like, all right, well, that's me. I can raise my hand for that one. <laughs> and then, I, you know, I went over and I met her and it ends up being this, you know, little California girl. Uh, she had long brown hair. And, and I'm speaking with her briefly, find out that, you know, she's 19. Um, or 18, mm-hmm. excuse me, like, you know, fresh up there and whatever. Um, and just, I don't know, that was kind of it as far as that interaction went. But over time, um, I ended up spending some more time over there and finding out, even trying to date other people, whatever, wasting my time and giving other people's wives, you know, dinner dates and so forth, because they ended up marrying <laughs> other people. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we ended up finding that we actually could land a friendship and kind of go, you know, mm-hmm. kind of from that. So, um, but in this friendship and in some of our commonalities, some of the commonalities was, was she, she nor I were the hundred percent line. Like I already found as soon as I could be with somebody that I could vibe with, I could relax and be more of myself. Mm-hmm. And I felt mm-hmm. like with that, I was kind of like, maybe this is my answer, but is it because I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Right. This is where I was like, I wasn't really I still don't know 100%, right? I, I feel like obviously it worked out to the best that it could have. Um, but it was still a thing that like our stars aligned, even though we weren't doing everything we were quote unquote supposed to. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, and it was hard being the the position of like working as a security guy. Um, I was the honor code police, basically, um, you know, between the hours of 3 a.m. and 7 a.m. because I had to fill the swing right. shift. So, uh aside from turning off fire alarms in old buildings, it was, uh, Hey, if you see something that's either a actually illegal or B against the honor code, it's kind of on you to, uh, to make something happen, I guess mm-hmm. without a gun, by the way. So yeah, try approaching somebody and being like, Hey, hold up. That's wrong. And, uh, you know, if, uh, you know, we weren't exactly armed like the rest of the guards were. So that was definitely mm-hmm. a different experience. Um, I had a few people that were kind of confrontational, but, um, where am I going with that? <laughs> it was uh, that, you know, we had times where, like, I took her on ride-alongs. Like, I mean, we literally yeah. was just had, you know, we, we wanted to spend all the time we could together. And in just kind of talking about things, um, it led to us breaking what I thought was another family cardinal rule. Um, I shared my patriarchal blessing with somebody who wasn't in the family. So I shared it with her. Mm. Um, and then she shared hers with me. And, you know, we had kind of like a mutual kind of like, Hey, we can make this work or whatever. And just our feelings were there and so on. But, um, I don't know. I mean, the listeners probably aren't too interested in the romance. Right. But let's just say that we came to a point where we had to 
obviously we, you know, decide like, is this, is, is it, is this is what it is. And the whole praying for an answer thing is always a deal, right? Cause even it says explicitly in my thing, anything that could impact you eternally, you got to go to God and you got to pray for it. Right. Cause he'll guide you. Yeah. He'll never, he'll never lead you astray. Mm-hmm. And yeah. isn't it funny when you pray and you don't get anything. <laughs> um, and then I sat in a conference thing. I don't know, one of the sessions. And I was sitting there and, and it happened to be where I want to say it was President Monson or somebody. And they were talking about how they said, like, choose the one you love and love the one you choose. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Choose your love and, and love it, your choice. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah. in that sense, basically how it hit me is it's like, well, I choose Mary Magdalene. Mm-hmm. And I felt good. So, you know, it wasn't a earth shattering you know, thing, but at the same time, it was kind of like, all right, well, like, basically, you have choice again. And I felt like even when we were talking about, you know, on our mission, and, and what supposedly sets us apart, or even the plan of salvation is supposed to set us apart, you know, albedrio, your, your free agency, your ability to choose. I mean, for all the choice that we have in the world, we're in an organization that knows how to take it away, mm-hmm. <laughs> or to, mm-hmm. to make you choose the right choice, right? So in this sense, I was kind of like, well, I feel like this is an opportunity for me to make that choice. Um, and then obviously she helped me along with that, you know, and by letting me know, like, you know, in a not so subtle way, like, hey, you know, if uh, if you were to ask me to marry you, you know, I wouldn't say no. <laughs> so like, it's one of those things where it's like, well, all right, like, what else do I need? Right. Other than just, you know, to, to, to man up, I guess, and ask and whatever and make it happen. So um but then, yeah, so we went along that route, you know, um, and as soon as we got engaged, like the bishops did their best to break us apart, um, you know, because I was 24. Mm. And what am I doing looking at some 18 year old girl? And, you know, we were supposed to meet because, you know, they have to check in and make sure that we're all worthy. And his meeting time that he wanted to set for me didn't work because I had to work that night. So I said, can I meet another time? And that was me questioning him. So then I was like, well, then I guess we won't meet um and then uh yeah so then he goes and meets with her and he's like well i'm really concerned because i think your your boyfriend might have like a porn addiction or something because he's not willing to talk to me so you know um <laughs> like, that's like i love uh, <laughs> i love how they jump to conclusions oh, yeah, like that like right which i would you know <laughs> obviously like he has a problem <laughs> like that's well, I mean, that you know that's that porn wars meme that goes around ex-mormon right where it's the two guys yelling pointing at each other then the guy's throwing yeah. the chair and he's like, you have to stop looking at porn. Like, like <laughs> <laughs> that's like, always it's a meme it and everybody's like, it ever, oh yeah, it's a joke, but it's like, no, it's a joke for a reason. And you've just told us like basically yeah. that exact story of you need to meet me right now. I can't meet right now. You need to stop looking at porn. that's yeah that's clearly what it is yeah Yeah, right yeah because you know (laughs) and now that you said it bishop you took that weight off of me okay i guess we can talk right like yeah yeah uh, you know (laughs) i was gonna give you some recommendations of what to do and where to look but you know at this point i don't know man so yeah but like so it was it was (laughs) it was sort of public right because this came out in between passing periods on a sunday and i was in the sunday school thing and you know bishop Mm -hmm. being fake as he was was like oh hey brother so-and-so i haven't met with you before and you know and i hear you're engaged to this young lady and he like pulls her up right and tries to make it this thing and then he's like you know i I was thinking we could meet on tuesday at this time and it's like yeah well i actually have to work on tuesday 
Mm-hmm. He's like, no, 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 that's the time that I want to meet. And I was like, well, then I guess we're going to have to reschedule. Yeah. And then it's like, God. well, how dare I tell the bishop no? So it's because I got to go home and, you know, jerk it off because, you know, yeah. little did he know I was already doing some other things with this lovely young lady, but that's all right. You know, so, <laughs> right. um, you know, but we don't want to talk about that, you know, in his office. So uh, what it led to, though, was, all right, so I'm about to graduate. And then I do. She's She was going to continue there. And this bishop thought, well, I need to have these weekly meetings with all the sisters who were engaged because it was on him, like yeah. you said, to protect their virtue, right? Protect their virginity. the Italian, protector protect. of Italian virginity. Right. And if they weren't going <laughs> to, you know, on their own, come in and talk to him about how terrible they should feel, he had to be like, all right, did y'all, y'all, y'all are still clean, right? Yeah. You're still wow. virgin? Huh? Okay. So, yeah. So is this not the reverse of what they're supposedly preaching? Like we're supposed to get people together and, and, and help them along in that process. But what it felt like it was literally, as soon as that ring was on her finger, other people knew that I had vetted her. I mean, you had guys that were trying to ask her out on dates when she still had the ring. And then you got a bishop that wants to meet every week. I'm no longer there. Right. Cause I've graduated. So it's kind of like, what right. are you doing here? Um, right. And, uh, Oh, I know I, I meant to save stuff for a BYEI thing, but <laughs> like it just, it, it turned into the point where we're like, this isn't, we're not doing this. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, rather than stay in Rexburg or whatever, she actually withdrew. And then we ended up, we moved, um, we moved to, my folks had moved to Texas at this point um, and uh, they had offered us a place to stay. Well, I happened to be the only sibling or child in that house who had a live in partner who was not married right because mm-hmm. this is my fiance mm-hmm. um and from the first night when she rolled in um because we got there a little late which is kind of funny because you know between all of us or i guess whoever's listening um i had a calling i was a security guy hey go figure now for the church i had to go lock it up and uh i hadn't seen you know my fiance now for I don't know, a couple of months because I was at a remove. I was looking for work and so on. And she was doing that first semester of Rexburg, which was terrible. So when we got there, um, we went to the church and um, had a little fun on the foyer couch and uh, <laughs> took a little bit of time. Right. So um, but we had no other safe place to do it other than the car. So here we right. are. Right? So um, <clears throat> lock it all up because, you know, that sacred building, it's OK. And then yeah. uh, go home. And because we were late. Uh, my father felt the need to, you know, with his, you know, overgrown infant child, 24 year old son, um, Mm -hmm. he had to look out for his virginity. Right. So, um, Mm -hmm. he just confronts my, you know, poor Mary Magdalene in the hallway and just goes, we're not doing this. And she's like, what do you mean? Like literally not like a, Hey, welcome here, whatever. Just starting it off. Like we're laying down the law. Mm -hmm. You're not staying out late. We're not having this type of sneak around behavior. You know, y'all have a marriage date. You have these other things. And at the time, like, I wish I would have redone a few things, right? Like, kind of cowardly. I didn't say anything, you know? I was just kind of like, all right, well, you know, let him get it off his chest. And they are, you know, it was that mental thing. Like, they're doing me a favor. They're giving me space to live. And, you know, all we got to do is get through this until we get to, obviously, the marriage and so on. And and we did. But, you know, there was a, there was, there was a lot of abrasion there. Um, and that, that that was your introduction into this this family, <laughs> basically. Um, now that you're yeah. here, like, you need to change. You need to conform. Um, and when we went, um, I know in the previous podcast she had mentioned it, but, you know, come to our wedding day and just the fact that so many things were basically pre-planned for her in particular and knowing that how weird the temple stuff is and just seeing her 
you know, in tears, I'll be honest, I was, I was nervous. Cause I was like, what does this mean? You know, like you're here mm-hmm. and we were just married <laughs> and you're not crying happy tears. So as yeah. a spouse, I'm like, shit, mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't want me. Right. Like, or what is this? Like I, I always internalize it and I went that way. Um, and with her just mentioning that, you know, no, it was like, cause all this other stuff, she's not sure if he, she could do that. Um, I mean, yeah, it's real. It was one of those things where we're like, kind of like everything else at this point, like, well, you know what? Like it is something that we got to do so we can get to where we want to be. Um, yeah. And we did. So, you know, um, yeah, we, 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 we obviously got married, wish we never would have went back to Texas to be honest, because we did. And it was a move and it was a mess and there were promises broken, um, from family and other things for supports. And eventually, um, you know, we fulfilled our promise and we had a baby on the way. And, you know, I had family that was unwilling to drive her to work. So she was walking in like 95 degree heat and humidity, um, wow. pregnant to jobs and things like that. Cause I had to work across town. Uh, yeah, it was just, it was, it was a lot of hard things, you know? Um, and yeah. I had siblings at home that got different, you know, um, treatment and things so we basically felt like you know if this is what it's going to be we got to get out uh, of texas so we made the move to california you know because her parents are like i'm so sorry sweetie come on out here and then wouldn't you know that maybe some of those same promises that were made weren't able to be fulfilled either um and we had to work through a lot of our struggles too so yeah uh, where does it come in the my whole life story that i just gave you to why i'm out now (laughs) Is, yeah. you know, um, coming out this way and, and the treatment and going back into the ward that she grew up in um, was so toxic. Um, hmm. Just the ability to, it's like a like a mini version of Utah, but like a bad part of Utah, if you can talk mm-hmm. about it. Like the way right, that they're right. like, we are the, not only the, the, the normal Mormons that we were talking about, like we take it to another level because we can't. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And if right. you don't fall in line for that, guess what? Right. You know, you're, you're all this and that. And she, you know, um, having to be around these old bishops who are now stake presidents and other people who did, you know, knew them from their youth, um, mistreated them and so forth. Like I knew that that was hard, uh, hard for her. Yeah. And, and, you know, for me too, coming out here and still not having the money that I needed and so on, like, I had to rely on the church for a time and I went through that mess of basically having to beg for food from the Bishop's pantry, like Mm -hmm. from the relief society who was the gatekeeper, Yeah, you know, telling her why I needed two cans of spaghetti sauce. Like what the fuck? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, Can't you guys just get by with one? (laughs) And you're in this woman's house. That's a four bedroom, 3000 square foot house, pristine carpet, marble. Mm -hmm. Right. And they have the audacity to to have you basically tell them that you're not going to go and sell the food on the side like mm-hmm. right you know um uh, the so underground going, market for spaghetti sauce very right and toilet it's paper a, it's right a, yeah huge yeah <laughs> a couple of years back yeah. maybe we made yeah. some money but maybe uh, <laughs> but um what it really came down to was sadly none of this really held a candle until finally when my first daughter was born and yeah. and you know having her there and, and blessing her there in that same building where a lot of those other things had happened to my wife's family and stuff. Um, 
you know, it wasn't such, I mean, it was, it was a joyous thing being a dad and, and being able to, to bless her and present her to others. But then just realizing over time, you know, as another daughter is born and another, and now we have four. Yeah. Everything that the church teaches about women, in my opinion, but I think in the shared opinion of many, is just that, you know, they're not, they're not the, they're not a first class citizen. Like they yeah. really, they yeah. really have a role to fulfill. And, and especially, you know, and why did I not care about this as a guy? Well, yeah, as a boy growing up, didn't care because it was to my benefit. I mean, well, you and, know, and honestly, like, a lot of the time as a guy, you don't notice that because you're not like, you know, I, I am not actively thinking about a woman's experience, right? Like right. I'm busy thinking about like, what am I having for lunch? Oh, I have to go to work. What is it like to be a man? Right? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's not top of mind because it, it, it doesn't affect me in the same way in the same direct ways that it affects women. But then you, you said you kind of started waking up to this and being like, my daughter's going to be a second class citizen in this church. Yeah, because in in honesty, and I have one of them, especially my second daughter, who she's a little bit more outspoken than than the others, where she just just asking normal questions. But it came down to where she was asked, you know, her mom, like, hey, well, why can't you baptize me? Mm-hmm. Or why mm-hmm. can't grandma be in the circle? Why can't these other things occur? Literal just questions, right? And then what do they come back at you? It's like, first, how dare you for asking? And then two, well, that's just not the way, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we're all Mandalorians. There's the way. Mm-hmm. yeah this is the way you know and 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 then also as a dad going internally like and i had an experience in mexico that was kind of laughable for some where there was a ward every fifth sunday the relief society did everything they blessed and passed the sacrament they handed out all that <laughs> stuff and coming in as a missionary we're kind of mm-hmm. like what do we do here right and then of course he's like well you know the sister she's really strong and it's hard and i don't want to hurt any feelings and they brought some area guy in there to you know well masses right but it was one of those things where i was just like you know at the time like of course i was like yeah that's really weird and it ended up being one of those stories where i'm like haha can you believe this happened but internally though i'm also kind of like well but you know why not right because i don't know what it's like to grow up where like from your your first breath basically you look Mm -hmm. and every other half human being around you not only are they different but they are entitled to certain things that you aren't that's just what it is Mm -hmm. and you're basically fluffed up and told, well, but you're special. And it's because God chose you and made you this way. You get to bring life into the world. Well, you know, but men don't get to do that. I'd be like, yeah, you know, I'm not actually particularly envious of not having to push something out of me. Oh yeah. Nobody is. I'm I'm, I'm not. And yeah. And there's also many sisters who maybe biologically, guess what? They can't be a mother. So what about them? Does that mean they yeah. screwed up even worse in the pre-existence? Like, well, what are we, what are we doing here? Oh, well, they get to mother other people's kids, and then yeah. after this life, you get to go be somebody else's fifth, second, seventeenth, whatever number wife. Because all we're gonna do is just perpetually blow spiritual children everywhere. Like, you know, like whereas from a guy's perspective, like you said, it's it's like almost from day one, like you're a chosen, special person, mm-hmm. and you yeah. get this power that not everybody gets. And you, know, you have an authority to command, even like Jesus himself, if you have the faith for it, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, um, basically the world is your oyster, right? And mm-hmm. like, even up until a time, it was telling the women, like, you're going to obey that guy. Mm-hmm. He'll obey God. And he speaks for God because, you know, God just can't speak directly to you. He has to speak through somebody else. 
mm-hmm. <coughs> Catholicism, <coughs> any other yeah. religion. Sorry, but we're different. We are guys. We're so different. Um, we don't have the picture on the wall to pray to. We just have to go through the prophet or whoever you want. Um, yeah, it's just it was one of the so much of that kind of hit. But really, what it came down to, to be real honest, was having a conversation with my wife and seeing her sadness and just her unhappiness of going and knowing that being at this place, this location in particular, this ward and how they treat her and her family, but women in general, mm-hmm. I don't want to mm-hmm. be associated with that. Yeah. So I yeah. was like, even if it's true, it's, it sucks. So I'm like, at this point, you know, where am I on this journey? And then finding out more about just, you know, what literally is published and what the stories are from the people who actually were there and so on. And just, I mean, you don't have to dig that deep. You just gotta be willing mm-hmm. to read. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it made that exit easier, but what, what wasn't easier was, was walking from again, you know, the family. Cause I mean, obviously this has only been a few months, but it's still, I wouldn't, I'd be lying to say like, I don't feel like, Oh, well maybe I let some ancestors down or maybe I let my folks down. Cause I see their sadness or whatever. Right. But at the same time, though, facetiously, it's like, well, it's just another time I disappointed my parents. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. Like they were pretty good about letting me know that one way or another, just like they quote, let me know that they love me. Right. Without saying it. it's so like, you know, both. And yes, of course, they did say those words. I love you. And I'm not throwing them under the bus because they had I mean, they're both youngest. Uh, one's the youngest of five. One's the youngest of seven. So, I mean, you know, they went through their struggles and yeah. some. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, also growing up in eastern Idaho, Mormon land versus growing up in, I don't know, where I grew up in Colorado was night and day different. Um, yeah. So it's just one of those things where you're like, I, what I found now today is that as far as our family goes, I feel like one of our biggest obstacles or rifts truly was and is the church mm-hmm. because it taught yeah. them how to discipline. It taught them how to rear it taught them expectations and they were taught in ways that were very similar or even more harsh if we just back up generations. Mm-hmm. So I feel like each right. generation was kind of like, y'all, like I'm not taking you out to the barn to beat your ass anymore. But mm-hmm. at the same time, we got to put you in your place. And then this next yeah. one goes and then it's really just just because. Right. And then if we yeah. have any argument, we're going to have the circular. I can't tell you how many times where my dad, man, I mean, he works in sales and good on him because there was like two or three hour discourses about why we screwed up right like really i fell asleep a couple times because he's yelling at my sibling (laughs) Mm -hmm. i wake up they're still going at it right i'm like seriously for real like so um just because they have like that ability right like there's no way to talk them down sometimes um yeah to meet logic because you're not meeting you're not dealing with logic you're dealing with emotion or you're just dealing with in the end maybe their own fear that maybe it isn't real and we're not going to talk about yeah i don't know yeah Mm -hmm. so like you saw you saw the way your parents reacted to your your brother uh leaving the church and i have i have two questions coming off of that yeah uh the first one is do you think that kept you in longer and then the second question is how did they react when you left the church and was that any different when your brother did so as far as uh, reacting with him and if it kept me in longer, for a time it kind of, it did. And I think it, was, it wasn't it was so much like, oh, this could happen to you. I knew I wasn't mm-hmm. on the same mental field as my brother. So mm-hmm. in that sense, I was kind of like, 
well, maybe if I stick it out, maybe if we have these discussions later, there might be some way possibly we could talk about it. Maybe there could be some convincing. Maybe we could figure out what what went wrong because he wasn't super explicit. Just the idea that he no longer believed in a God. And, yeah, you know, that I mean, if there's no God, then kind of, you know, why is there a religion? Right. So um, in that sense, and, and he had his reasoning, but I think a lot of it, you know, and, and then also just to like knowing like, well, if I don't align with that person, that's fine. But see, I can have a discussion with somebody and I don't have to agree with them. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas others that there isn't that discussion, you're just told things, right? You're talked yeah. at. So, and then just, you know, some of the phrasing that happened um, with the reaction from my parents and, and other siblings too. I mean, people said her- terrible things to him. Um, yeah. Basically, hey, well, if, you know, someone said that, you know, if, if there's nothing after this life, then what's the point? Then why don't you just kill yourself? Like, yeah, you know, one of those things where it's like, it doesn't matter even if that comes out in anger, like, you know what I mean? Or, or it would have been better if you had come out and told me you were gay, because apparently that was easier to stomach. Um, you know, just whatever their issues were and how they were they were dealing with it. But um, yeah, I would say, I mean, and even when I came home from my mission, like I wrote a talk in my talk, I actually had directed to my brother. Um, it was on testimonies hmm. and I didn't call him out by name, but I was literally like, hey, like these are ways you can get one and all this stuff and whatever. And you guys will laugh at me, I'm sure. But like I had some old man who was visiting. He came up and he's just like, man, he's like, I've never heard a talk like that. He's like, you you, you speak as eloquently, I imagine, as, as Brigham Young himself. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't compare me with that man. Right. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, one of those yeah. things where, You're like, you know, uh, but at the time, though, I was kind of like, oh, damn, like I must have brought it today. You know, like whatever. Yeah. Right. But so. So going through that journey and meeting with him, but see, even as a sibling, like the point was for me, truly, and I think amongst all our siblings, if we really dug down deep enough, is there really wasn't anything that we could do to one another that we would naturally do that would eliminate our relationship. Like we still care and we love each other um, and want to have each other's back in the way that we can. So even having those discussions and I would try to talk to him or he'd ask me like, well, why do you believe this or whatever? Like we could talk and then we would just realize there's some impasses. There's some things that were, I mean, I legit was like, I'm answering like your classic Mormon of like, well, I just, I felt this or I knew this or whatever. Yeah. Right. And, and I mean, arguing feelings doesn't really get anywhere. Um, um, Cause you can't really like implant that in somebody, you know? Um, but I guess, so, so that was where I think it maybe lengthened it. How did they react when I left so um, differently that it wasn't confrontational, but also I, I initially just told them via text. <laughs> so hmm. I did a family thing where I like rarely reached out, but it, you know, I was like, you know, see, I, th- I think I still have enough time. Um, I, I had met with them. And uh, so basically, so my second daughter, she was baptized and my parents, they only make those trips out normally because of those ordinances, something special like that, a blessing, a baptism. Right. otherwise why travel, right? Why waste your time? Mm-hmm. I know that's petty and terrible sounding, but you know, people can see it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anyway, they came out here. She was, you know, we had her baptism and the night before they left, uh, my mom, she's having some health issues or whatever. And basically had uh, requested um, a blessing, right? And I'm not really sure how I feel about this, you know, internally, because of my other issues in life and where my vibes are. 
but I also know my family and I also just know my mom, like, you know, in essence, she's basically just expressing like she's not feeling good and she has faith in the idea that a blessing could help her. Um, so, you know, she asked and then I was like, yeah, we're, you know, we could do that later. And then got caught up with something and it ended up being the next morning basically. And, um, I'd kind of forgotten about it. And, uh, as they're getting breakfast or whatever, um, my dad approaches me kind of publicly with my family who's there. And it was just like, hey, so, um, you know, before we go, um, we, you know, the royal we, we were thinking that maybe um, you could give your mom a, a blessing. And I had heard her, you know, after I had kind of forgotten or whatever, that she went and asked my dad, you know. So I wasn't going to argue, like, who did she ask? The point was this woman was asking for a blessing. And it's my mom who I mm-hmm. care for. Um, but the fact that he, I, I saw it as almost like a test. Because the night before, you know, when she had gone to bed early, not feeling well, we spent a couple hours, as is the way, um, discussing whatever um, issues that we were kind of having. And and I, I disclosed to him that my in-laws had all left at this point, um, the church, and they were unaware of that. So we talked about some of those reasons behind it. So mm-hmm. I ended up giving, you know, a blessing because that's what I did. And just saying things that I hope for and basically letting my mom know my feelings for her and caring for her and so on. Um, but then, you know, I took them to the airport and then our drive out basically started having and I was starting to test the water. And I was like, you know, not saying the word hypothetically, but I was like, you know, you know, with families, when there's when there's children and such that maybe, you know, don't don't fully agree with religion and things. I th- still think there needs to be this ability to communicate. You have to have the ability to still have a relationship. You know, because it's like you can mm-hmm. have relationships with work, you can have relationships in other ways. It shouldn't be a barrier or a reason why we don't talk. And of course, they're like, well, no, you're right. Right. And of course, they've progressed a lot with my younger brother. And then, you know, to the point where they do talk, even though he basically had to be super hard and say religion is something we don't do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And uh, but for me, what I felt like is I was really kind of going like inserting myself, you know, like with them mm-hmm. like hey you know we could still do this and they're like well of course we could or of course we'd still love this person or whatever right so then they go and they go back to their thing and it was at a point where that's that's where i think i you know coming back and then and speaking with my wife and that i was just like all right like it's it's time like for myself um just to say something right mm-hmm. And, and how, I don't know, silly is not the right word, but man, like, how does it not feel, right? Like, don't we kind of all feel like we have to do something, like, to share it? <laughs> like, it's it's almost yeah. like a coming out, <laughs> right? It's like, yeah. oh, I'm not there anymore. Um, because, I mean, like, you, the identity with it, right? Like I said, like, we're, we're growing up, you're LDS, and you're in this family, and this is who you represent. And then now, I'm basically saying I no longer align with that, and that that's an affront that's an attack to some people because then they're Mm -hmm. like oh you're not a part of this group anymore and particularly with family Mm -hmm. so rather Mm -hmm. than having the potential for another three four hour scream out i was like you know what i'm just gonna say it and i included all the family members on a text and just wrote it out and just said you know i figured you guys could probably put two and two together and you know just so that you're aware basically that we are no longer a part of the lds church and we do not plan to continue and um I don't really want to debate with you because I don't want to put down anybody else's beliefs, um, Mm -hmm. including ours. And then, um, you know, kind of left it at that. So their response was no response, as usual. I had zero texts Mm -hmm. back, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, except for the sibling who had left and the older sibling um, of mine. who was like, yeah, you know, like, I'm sure that took a lot. And like, you know, we've got you back. 
um, mm-hmm. which is cool. But it also made me feel a little sad because, like, I remember when my brother left and he didn't get the same, you know, obviously even from his siblings. So uh, maybe a regret there. But uh, yeah. what it's translated into now is uh, with the weekly or, you know, every other week um, calling them and checking in. The My dad is basically almost zero interest to talk. He'll be there physically and kind of hover around the conversations, but he won't engage. And um, my mom, she still wants to have that relationship. I think there's a fear because my older brother and some other issues they've had, they've since cut off my parents. There's no contact. Um, really? So uh, I think she's, you know, obviously has a very real reason to fear that. So um, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't want that to occur. So we have a relationship, nor do I want to cut them off. What I really want, I just want them to leave. Like it would be amazing <laughs> if they could yeah. just, you know, uh, Cause my father, he's still, he's a, he's a, a temple worker and he mm-hmm. does that, you know, for a couple of years. And I remember I asked him, <laughs> this is a year or so ago. And I was like, so like, how long does this assignment last? And he just looked at me and he's just like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, like, I'm like, well, I was just wondering, like you, you've been giving them every Saturday of your life minus when it's closed for two years, you know, like what's next for you. Right. Um, but what didn't occur to me was, you know, uh, both of my grandfathers were, were sealers um, in the uh-huh. Idaho Falls Temple. Okay. And I, and I do feel like some of that is, uh, just like you said, it's kind of in the family. It's like when you get, you know, that kind of next tier, that next thing that you're contributing to the church. I, I would assume, speaking for him, that it's probably some level of, like, honor, you know, to do what he's doing rather than to right. be literally using his gas and time because it's a drive out in Texas either way um, to go in there and repeat a bunch of phrases and, you know, logistically get people in and out of rooms. So, you know, um, but, you know, that's that's the sadness behind it for me, because I'm like, you know, in the end, the temple itself is just it's not there, man. It's just not a thing that uh, that that I even when I went through the first time felt good about. And, uh, you know, so that's another area where we just uh, we just disagree. So, yeah. Wow. Sorry. That was a really um, long answer. <laughs> no, no, that that's, that's all right. Um, it, it is, it's hard to leave. And I imagine um, coming from such like a, because for, for me in my situation, all of my extended family is just not Mormon. Uh, I have one aunt who was, but left as, you know, early adulthood. Um, and just never really thought about it again. Um, and and so for me in my situation, my family kind of had this, well, you know, most of the family's not Mormon. So like, okay, you know, a little bit of pity looks, but, but nothing too bad. But then hearing your experience where it's like, that, that was it. Like that's the, the family thing for the past four generations. Uh, and hearing that you had like grandfathers who were sealers, you know, and, 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 and stuff like that. It's, um, yeah, like, I mean, leaving, leaving is hard. And so at least I guess you had that, the, the text from your brothers saying like, Hey, you know, we, we've got your back, but you know, to have that, um, difficult response and frustrating response from your parents. It it felt, it felt very much similar. Like when I mentioned that 
you know, the previous that, that girl in my Sunday school, it's kind of like, all right, like, we're going to just let you sit in it. We're not going to answer you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And basically we're not condoning it. Right. Cause you know, you're that adult son that, you know, we've infantilized up until this point, but now you're making a choice. And since it's not the wrong choice, I am not going to say anything. Um, yeah. And I felt like I also lost a lot of commonalities, particularly with my father, because obviously prior to this, I was the only son, well, excuse me, I have an older brother and myself who we were sealed in the temple and, you know, went through like up to that point. Um, but the older son, because of that fallout and they'd fallen, you know, broken off a few years ago. Um, and it was because my older brother cut them off. It's kind of like, well, they had no control. And, you know, I mean, as is the norm, at least when we would speak almost every time when we check in, it's, you know, what, what's the weather like, what's your job like in church, right? Mm-hmm. Now we yeah. can't talk about church and the weather lasts yeah. for one sentence and they don't really care yeah. about my job. So what are we talking yeah. about? Yeah. Um, I feel like that commonality is basically gone. And then also like morbidly speaking or not, as you know, I have an aging uh, father-in-law and then obviously my parents are aging too. It makes me think about, you know, in the near potential future of like, you know, what happens when someone passes and things like, uh, you know, what are their intents? Do we get to participate? You know, like all that stuff. Like Mm -hmm. those are very real thoughts and potential fears still. Because I'm kind of like, I still love, like the love wasn't gone. What it was is it was just the religion itself, right? Like this thing, you know? And, And I feel like even when we were in our mission, I know I'm tying it back to that briefly, but I'm like, my goal as a missionary was to introduce doubt into people's minds. Mm-hmm. It was literally to go yeah. out there and go, hey, you know, what are you? And if they're like, well, I'm this, you're like, that's great, but why? And mm-hmm. if they couldn't really answer that, then I'm like, here we go. Let me give you something, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. it's right. kind of the reverse of that now, in essence, because I'm yeah. like, the doubt's there. We, we're out. So because yeah. why would I continue? Why would I continue going? Knowing what I know. Yeah. And then knowing even just take God out of it. This organization on Wednesday nights there's been people who yeah. are shitty to my kids. Why would I send them there? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it could be yeah. that basic, but then I'm like, they look at it and then they, their fallback is I just know. Right. And what I think it is, is yeah. I'm like, it's not that they just know. I think that they hope so hard because the reality yeah. that we all met when we realized it wasn't real can be soul crushing. It sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's something that I don't think everybody's prepared for. Yeah. You know? Dang. Um, yeah, we got to wrap this up soon here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I kind of like, I I do want to hear, um, like, how is your life like post Mormonism? Like, what is, you know, what do you do for fun? What has changed about like your Sundays and and, yeah. and stuff like that? Like, <laughs> this is as the XX Mormon podcast. Like, how are you doing with like? moving on from it and, and like living a full, happy, fulfilling life outside of the church. So I think, I think the happiness piece is, is still a work in progress. Um, and it's not just because of the religion, right? I think it's, you know, it's because it's family ties and it's other things that are there or the, you know, the mental dealing with myself and what's been shoved in there so much, right? Like what's real and what isn't, but the enjoyment of, being like, you know, every choice since we've made that choice has been our own. Um, yeah. When we have a, the Sunday, I, we have another day that I feel like I feel like we're actually keeping the Sabbath better now than we used to. And people hmm. could laugh at me, I guess. But it's like I spend all day with my family. Um, yeah, I'm not in meetings. 
I'm not stuck in some other place that I truly don't want to be out of obligation. Like I'm spending time with the people I want to be around when I can. Um, I feel less, less guilt in that regard. Um, and I feel like just knowing that it's, I've seen it. My, my wife is happier and, and that's improved everybody's happiness. Like there's truth to that statement, <laughs> you know, happy wife, happy life. Yeah. So like, um, but also just being able to model and truly being like, you know what, like, I feel like even to our daughters, like, as as hard potentially or not as like leaving this religion is, that they're more than worth that. So, you yeah. know, whether we have this discussion 10, 20 years down the road, because even right now, it's so fresh that they'll still ask sometimes like, hey, why aren't we going to church or whatever, right? Because they, they went for a few years and, and two of them were baptized and so on. But like, I guess I feel like, you know, we, we've always tried to have more open communication anyways in our home. And, you know, we'll, we'll meet any doubt or discussion as, as it comes. So I feel, um, I feel good about that, you know, and, and, and I good. don't feel like I have the obligation to just sit somewhere and do something for someone else, um, which can sound selfish, but honestly, I felt like it was hella selfish on the other part uh, mm-hmm. to expect yeah. that of us. Yeah, so, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, Bishop, do you have any any final thoughts, any final questions? No, no closing words for me. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today, yeah. Jason. No, absolutely. Judas. And, and, and Judas. Judas, and, and, and I'm good. Um, I'm not going to say you ever have to, but obviously BYUI is a fun topic, so if you want to talk that sometime, we always could, or I could just send you some stuff. We- um yeah, we need to have like a big BYUI panel. Throwdown would be mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. amazing to yeah. see what was in common, what wasn't. So, but no, yeah. thank thank you guys for 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 having me and uh, yeah, this, this was good. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, awesome. awesome. Thank you very much. And uh, uh, brothers and sisters, there will be snacks in the gym. So if the person giving the closing prayer could please bless those to nourish and strengthen us. They're, they're donuts. I bought them yesterday because today is Sunday. And of course we don't shop on the Sabbath. So they're day old Tim Hortons donuts. So uh, I hope you all enjoy and uh, we'll close this meeting in the name of, uh, in the name of Paul, the apostle. Amen. Amen. Amen.